0: Hey, New Life Gillette Church, we are thrilled you decided to listen to our teaching on your favorite podcast app. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, would you let us know by visiting yes.newlifegillette.com. Here is this week's teaching. Hey, you are in for a treat today. Standing beside me is a very good friend of mine. His name is Joe Dereemer. Everyone say hi, Joe. There we go. Good practice. Uh, Yeah, there we go. It's coming. Jode is uh, the uh, Wyoming representative of Celebrate Recovery. He is also an ordained minister. And uh, over the past year, I've gotten to know him really well. We sat down at coffee about a year ago. Yeah. And uh, and you told me a very short version of your testimony back then. And it overwhelmed me then. I've heard your testimony four or five times now. I fight back tears every time. It's powerful, and uh, you have the amazing privilege of hearing it today, and I'm so excited for what God does uh, through it and what he shares with you today. Mm-hmm. He is also very involved in two Celebrate Recovery programs here in Gillette.
1: Celebrate Recovery people, come on! Yeah, we got Yep, yep, yep. yeah. Yeah, they're here.
0: They're here. Are you turned on? Yeah.
1: I, I am turned on, but uh, I'm not hearing nothing,
0: so. You look good. All right. Yeah. Uh, you look good on your mic and in person. Thanks, you, man. Yes. I appreciate that. A little confidence builder. Uh, so, Jode is going to uh, tell you right now about when Celebrate Recovery meets in town. So, if anybody here at the end of this is like, I need in, where do they go? Okay. So, look. Everyone always
1: thinks that they got to get everything fixed before they get help. Yes, they do. Dumb idea. Dumb idea, people. Yeah. All right. Look. Tuesday nights, 530. We cook dinner for you. And we have child care. All of your excuses are taken care of, <laughs> Just come, okay? Just show up. That's what you got to do. Just come and be there. You will be loved, mm. okay? Yep. If you're used to coming to church, if you're used to feeling that love, that's what you're going to feel. We also have one on Friday night. Yeah. So if I can't make Tuesday nights because of my work schedule, now that excuse is out the window too. So come on Friday. We get started about six o'clock on Fridays because we got a little bit more time to play with since everybody didn't have to get up early on Saturday.
0: So just come there's no Tuesdays at journey Fridays at assembly Tuesdays at journey Fridays at assembly yep and so pick one show up jump that's to right. both that's right Yeah, that's right awesome anything else before we start
1: um not really okay. actually I got a favor to ask love it so uh we have a tradition in recovery um one of the things we do is we hit milestones in our recovery right Yeah. we get to a place where we want to celebrate it. And so we give coins. Yeah. So we get one at 30 days, which is pretty exciting. Especially if you've never gone 30 days without drinking. But this one is 13 years. Yeah. Just got this in October. And uh, the the tradition that goes along with the coin is this, is that as that person is sharing their testimony about how they got this coin, um, everybody in the family prays for them. Mm. And so I'm going to hand this off to Mike. And uh, he's gonna. And if you would just say a quick prayer for me while I'm uh, doing the testimony, and pass the coin back and forth, and then please, whoever at the end, um, just bring it back to me, please, because I like it.
0: This has no monetary value. It has no
1: monetary yes. value. you
0: better give it back.
1: Only, only, only <laughs> as a, as an opportunity to cause folks to pray for me. Yeah. That's it.
0: That's right. So get it back to him at the end of the service. Will you put your hands together and welcome Joe DeRemer?
1: Alright, so I say, uh, hi, my name is Jode, and I am a grateful believer in our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you all say? love I I Jode! Okay, guys, let's try that again. Check, okay, alright. Hi, my name is Jode, and I'm a grateful believer in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hi, Jode! There you go. Welcome to your first Celebrate Recovery meeting. So my story begins at the ripe old age of two weeks when I was adopted by my parents. I found out about it when I was about four years old. My parents had another couple over for dinner and my brother and I uh, got put to bed. Well, and the adults, of course, stayed up talking. Well, of course, uh, anybody that has boys knows that they don't necessarily always stay in bed. So I crawled down to the end of the stairs and it was comforting for me to listen to the adults talking. And my mom was sharing, and she said, well, uh, Todd is our real son, and Jode is adopted. Well, it didn't really mean a whole lot to me at that point, because I was four. But I did know that somehow I was different. I was introduced to alcohol at the age of seven. At this time, we were living on the ranch with the rest of my dad's family, and One of the things we did at harvest time for potatoes in Nebraska is we would drive over the border um, and we would go to the coal rows and they had all the potatoes that got kind of partially cut by the harvesters or whatever, and they'd um, stack them up in these big piles and we'd go over and fill up gunny sacks full of potatoes so we could take them home, put them in the root cellar for the winter, right? Well, on the way back from gathering potatoes, my dad and my uncle, as guys do, stopped by and got a six pack of beer. Well, this time, They let my cousin and my brother, and I split one. Wow, in that moment, glory was revealed to me. By the time we got home, I felt for the first time that I belonged, that I was part of the group, and that I was included. I just remember being arm-in-arm with my cousin and brother, and singing and dancing, and I just felt like I was on top of the world. I had discovered the answer to all of my problems. By the age of 12, I was sneaking liquor out of my parents' cabinet, and then I was refilling the bottles with water. Well, That obviously wasn't a very successful ploy. They figured that one out pretty fast. But I would take that alcohol with me when I went on uh, with friends to have sleepovers, and I would drink with them. And as I progressed through school, so my disease progressed. I started smoking pot in high school along with my drinking. And I started pursuing sex and partying as the only goals in my life. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll, y'all. You know? I don't know how, but somehow through the haze, I managed to get really good grades. And uh, I got into a top 10 liberal arts college in Iowa called Grinnell. At last, I was free. No one to tell me what to do. But the only thing that thrived in this environment was my disease. In addition to my drinking, I began dropping acid, and I would sleep with whoever would sleep with me. I was living only to party. I quit going to classes, and as a result, I was placed on academic probation the first semester and then dismissed after the second. And then, my parents decided that they were going to get a divorce. That just added more gasoline to the fire. My disease was fueling my failure. And the vicious cycle just began to drag me down, 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 down. And in this blur, I found myself waiting tables at a local sports bar. That is when I met my amazing wife, Shauna. It was ladies' night, and I accidentally, on purpose, overcharged her and her friend for uh, ladies' night drinks. They, of course, caught the mistake, and when they called it to my attention, pretty sly, right? Why don't you just come back next night? Okay, I'll buy it, right? Well, they came, and you know, the first part of John and my relationship was wonderful. It was super fun. We would party, and, and, and everything that I was up to was all okay because we were just in it to be together. And the first, in fact, everything was going so well. The guys, I, I, I don't want you to miss this, gentlemen, okay? I don't want, this is romantic. At 3 o'clock in the morning on St. Patrick's Day, I woke up my really, really, really hungover wife, and I asked her to marry me. So romantic, right? For some reason, she said yes. Even though at this time, I was showing all the signs of being an alcoholic. I had a couple of DUIs. I was cycling through jobs. But a few months after our engagement, Shauna became pregnant, and we figured that we probably ought to actually set a date. The only weekend that all of our families could make it was Valentine's Day. See a theme here? Well, anyway, the best part about Valentine's Day is this, that right after Christmas decorations get put on the bargain shelf, they bring out the hearts, and it's a great reminder that my anniversary is coming up, so I never forget it, see? But, Woe unto thee who tries to make a reservation for a romantic dinner on Valentine's Day. Then our precious daughter Maddie entered the world. Shauna grew up and thought that I would grow up too, but I did not. The cyclical nature of my disease put us through a roller coaster. I was cycling through jobs, and Shauna was steadily advancing in her career. Just when things would start to go good for us, my disease would rear its ugly head and everything would fall apart once again. And after 12 years of lies and manipulation, mental abuse and absenteeism, my beautiful wife had had enough. I was too blinded by my denial to see it, though. My picture looked like this. I was an amazing husband. I was a wonderful father. I was an incredibly smart businessman. And at the age of 42, I was going to become a rock star. Right? Because that happens to everybody. My road to hell had been paved with good intentions. The reality of my situation was that my wife was ready to divorce me, that my beautiful 12-year-old daughter was suicidal and cutting because of what I did, that I was $14,965 in debt to the IRS. Ask me how I know I had to repay every cent. And I'm sorry, no one becomes a rock star at age 42. Then became Black Sunday. I call it this because it is the single worst day of my life. I was in the kitchen, and my awesome daughter came in behind me. And she grabbed a bowl of cereal, and and in my hungover state, where I would put on to everybody else all of my burden, I told my beautiful, sweet, amazing 12-year-old daughter that if she kept eating bowls of cereal that big, that she was going to end up on Biggest Loser. My wife had come in right behind me as I was having this lovely conversation with my daughter. And I looked around to her for that support that had always been there, and it was gone. It was nothing. So I asked her, So, what do you want to divorce me? And she said, yes. My world came crashing down from me, on me, and I ran for the only answer that I ever knew. I grabbed a 12-pack of beer, and I headed over to my friend, the lead guitar player in my band's house. and, And I cracked one open, and we began to talk. And during the conversation, he said to me, well, as far as I see it, you have two choices. We can continue with the band. You can get your own place. We'll get a new rehearsal space we got these festivals coming up. Chances are we're going to have a good time. and yeah, we'll, we'll do great. And he said, or if you love your wife and your family, maybe you should pursue that with everything you have. In that moment, I made the choice for God for the very first time, even though I didn't know it. I set that beer down and I went home. That was terrible. So within a week, it became obvious to me that I needed some help. So I checked myself into the ILP program over at United Medical Center East, and I began working on a recovery. And after a few days, I realized that I wasn't going to just be able to skate out of it this time. That she was done. And there wasn't anything I could do to fix it. But maybe if I pursued my recovery, maybe I could be a part of my daughter's life. But within, uh, so Shauna was letting me stay in the house while I was in the ILP program and stay married. See, it was like 5,000 bucks to go through the program. We didn't have the cash, so Shauna said we'd stay married. So our insurance would take care of that um, while I was in the program. But as soon as the program was over, 14 and a half weeks was my deadline, then I would move out and we would divorce. So I threw myself in, you know? I had to go all in. And I was sharing super, super deeply one night about the craziness of my life and how tragic my experience was and how awful my wife was for wanting me to leave me. And, and one of the young Air Force men that was in the program with me looked at me and said, hey, um man, you remind me of Job. And I said, Job? Who's Job? And he said, well, Job is a character in the Bible. And maybe you should read it. Well, I went home, took his advice. I knew we had a couple of Bibles downstairs on a shelf, so I pulled one out and blew the dust off of the binding, right? Found Job in the in the index. Okay, I know we all still look at the index from time to time, people. And I began to read Job, but it was really hard because I was in withdrawals from the alcohol. And when we first get into recovery, we have what's called the raging river, the thoughts, the pressures, the stress, the withdrawals, The compulsions, they all mix up inside your head and make it almost impossible to concentrate on anything for very long. But I could read for a minute or two at a time, and over a period of a week, I got through the book of Job. And yes, I could identify with Job. A week later, I was driving home to my loveless house from my It was raining, and I was at the bottom of the blackest pit I had ever been in. My windshield wipers weren't working very well. I had a headlight out, and I could hardly see the road through all the tears. Yeah, okay, that's a country song. But those glowing orbs in the oncoming headlights, they started to look really fascinating. You know, I could just, bam! not have to do it. And then a voice I'd never heard before said, or you could look up. And I decided to look up and ask God to take this from me because I could not do it anymore. And he slammed into me like a freight train. I could feel him from the bottom of my feet to the ends of my hair. Heck, I got goosebumps thinking about it right now. And you know, he didn't tell me that I was going to get my marriage back, that I would find a career and a passion. and He didn't tell me any of that. You no, know, you know what he told me? to could be okay. That was the hope I needed. Now I'm crying so hard, I definitely don't have any idea how I got home from there, right? I pull up into my driveway. I'm all excited. I go running in the house. And I go, Shauna, 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 you gotta you I I know you, I know you probably don't want to have anything to do with this, and that's okay. But I have got to find out what just happened to me. I need to know what this is. Could you recommend a church for me? Because I hadn't been in a church since I was like 12, right? Had no idea what to look for. Shauna gives me the look like. Mm, I don't know how you found out about this one, mister. She told me, Well, mom and I have been talking about maybe going to church this Sunday. And her boss recommended a church called Cheyenne Hills. And I guess you can come with us. woo I was super excited. For the very first time in a very long time, my family was going to do something together. So on Sunday, we all drove together out to church And we walked through the parking lot together and we got into the lobby together and my wife and my mother and my daughter left me standing there and took off. This man in a super loud Hawaiian shirt comes up to me and goes, brother, you look like you could use a hug. I said, yeah, I could really use a hug. He said, well, how about a cup of coffee? He said, sure, I really, really, really need a cup of coffee. So he took me over to the coffee bar and got me some coffee. And then he said, hey, those ladies that you came in with, is that your family? And I told him, I sure hope so. He said, well, let me show you where they're sitting. And he guided me into the sanctuary. And I was com- as I was coming in and going down the aisle, there was my sponsor from AA sitting right on the aisle seat. Okay, God, I get it. I'm in the right place. Well, so I threw myself into everything. I started serving on the first impressions team. I started attending the men's Bible study. Then God decided he wanted me to use my gift of music for his worship. And I began playing on the worship team. Man, what a joy that was. And just before my graduation from IOP, I was Baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, February 26, 2011. Yeah. yeah, I was changing, I was healing, but my wife was not. She said with me by her own admission on the platform as I was getting baptized and really just wanted to hold me under the water. Just a little bit longer. The day I had been dreading came. I graduated the ILP program and it was time for me to move out. Shauna, because of the aggravation of our proximity, was not changing her mind. I'd found an apartment and I was considering maybe even buying a house a couple blocks down for ours so I could be close for Maddie if she got home early or rode the early bus home from school. And so I asked Shauna if she wanted to walk down with me and take a look at it. You know, at this point, all the pressure was up. The decisions had been made. We all knew what was getting ready to happen. So we had a nice walk, a nice talk. And we came back from looking at the house and we walked down the alley and came into our backyard and sat down on the back step. And to my utter surprise, my beautiful, amazing bride looked at me and said, maybe we should Just try being separated for a little while. Candle of hope was lit in my heart. And uh, shortly after, her and Maddie uh, packed up and went to Casper because Shauna didn't want Maddie to have to watch me move out. And so I moved into my apartment. I had some amazing furniture. I had a pencil bed. Little twin bed for kids with pencils for the bed. Anybody have one of those as a kid? Yeah, I had a I had a Lazy Boy that I inherited from my grandmother that had been around. Well, it was avocado green. Just in case you wanted her to know how old it was. So, uh, but finally, for the first time in my life, even though I was in my exile, I wasn't alone. I had Jesus in my heart. And I had my church family. And I had my recovery brothers and sisters. And when I was hurting and struggling, I could reach out and I didn't have to be alone anymore. My daughter began coming over even a couple, two or three times a week. She would come and we'd play video games, maybe, you know, we'd do a little bit of an art project, we'd talk, we'd. Uh, cook some dinner, and then when Shauna would get off work, um, she would swing by and park out in the parking lot, and Maddie would come out and get in the car and go home with her, right? And then after about three months, uh, Maddie told me one night, she said, hey, why don't we invite Mom over for, uh, for dinner and for a movie? And I was like, hey, that sounds like a great idea. I didn't think she would come, but Shauna agreed to come over for dinner. So she came over. We had a nice time for dinner. And when they went home, I think that's the moment that God began working on her heart. Because within a week I got the most amazing phone call of my life. It was my wife. And she was stammering over the phone, well I don't know what this is supposed to look like, but God's telling me it's time for you to come home. Bam! You've never seen someone move so fast. So after about a year into my recovery, my uh, pastor asked me, a worship pastor, had watched our marriage come back together. and, And so he asked if I would be willing to get up and share my testimony for the church. And so for three services, just like we did right there, I shared that story with everyone. I like to joke that I was called into ministry, but for me, it literally was true. Because after I shared that testimony, my phone began to ring. It was people from the church that were hurting, that wanted help, but didn't know how to ask for it. The first phone call was, was from my friend that his wife is in stage four cancer. And so they had her on the heavy stuff, fentanyl and all those painkillers, just to keep her upright. And they had gone grocery shopping right after church, and she had collapsed in Walmart from an anxiety attack because she didn't know what was happening. You know, she was a good Christian woman. She had no idea what shadow monsters were or how anxiety would come out of a corner and blindside you to the point where you couldn't move. I knew those things because I've been there. And I could talk with her about it, and let her know what it was really, that it would pass. And slowly, her husband and I got her out of the store, back out of the sunshine where she needed to be. So I knew what I was supposed to do. So I went in Monday morning and I grabbed Pastor Galen and, and, and my associate, Pastor Roger, and I said, hey guys, really, 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 really want to get a meeting going out here. Can I start up an AA or an NA meeting? And they'd obviously been talking about it already because Galen looks at Roger, and Roger looks at Galen, and they start chuckling. (laughs) And Roger takes me around the shoulder, marches me into his office, and hands me the Celebrate Recovery box set. And I said, wow, that's super cool, Christian Recovery Ministry. Let me know how I can help. I'm thinking wiping tables, emptying trash, setting up chairs for group, right? And they said, no, we'd like you to lead it. Me? A ministry leader? Brand new Christian? Oh, boy, God and I go to town on a wrestling match. But as you can see, I can still walk pretty good, so you know who won, right? But I could do it. And little did I know that ministry leadership was actually wiping down tables and setting up chairs and emptying trash. Who knew? So, on March 1st, 2013 at Cheyenne Hills Church, we launched Celebrate Recovery. To this day, that ministry is alive and well, and God has been with that ministry all the way through COVID to this day. CR has taken my recovery and my faith to a whole new level. My wife stands by me, by my side as a co-ministry leader, and she's blossomed in her faith and her recovery as well. The ministry has revealed God's plan for our marriage. As we continue to put him in the center, he teaches us day by day, moment by moment, how he wants our marriage to work. CR has given us a common language that we can speak to each other in, in complete trust, and honesty. I never knew marriage could be this good. I had no clue. My daughter also served in the ministry for a while before she went to uh, off to college. and And she celebrated some victories over the struggles that were part of her life as well. In fact, she's getting ready to graduate here in spring, so if you will all please pray for her that that actually happened, would be wonderful. And we get to stand in amazement as we see God performing miracles right in front of our eyes all the time. The sense of closeness that grows as we study, as we teach, as we pray, as we worship, as we testify, as we heal together is better than anything that I could have come up with. Imagine that. God's plan being better than what I thought. Philippians 1.6 says, And I am certain that God who began this good work with you will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That's my life verse. I know I'm not done yet. But I've got a lot of work to do yet. The victory I've had up to this point is only leading to the victory that I can have if I do this one day at a time. In closing, Joshua 24:15 says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Thank you. So uh just a quick question, to everybody here. All right. all right. Who's planning uh New Year's resolutions? Throw your hands up in the air. Come on, high where we can all see them. That's great. All right. Who did New Year's resolutions last year? Throw your hands up. What do you think, Pastor Kieran? Should I should I embarrass them? Should I ask them how they did? No? Okay. All right. Look. I just shared with you a story of victory, real victory, lasting day-to-day, moment-to-moment victory. So what is it that we can pull from that to go forward, to instead of making New Year's resolutions, we make new life resolutions? Well, the first thing we need to have any chance at change is we need hope. My life first, and I am certain that God who began this good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. You know what this is? This is a promise from God to me. It's a promise from God to you. And in those promises is where we can find great hope. CNAA we had uh, we had the 12 steps that we would read at the beginning of every meeting but also at the beginning of the meeting we would read the tw- the promises of alcoholics anonymous right Well I found out over time that those actually just come right straight out of the bible But it's those promises that gave me hope You see I needed to know that I could be Transformed by the renewing of my mind. Right? My mind was such a mess. I mean, with the divorce and all the different things that were going on, I had no idea how to handle all of that. But if I dug in, if I followed Jesus and I looked into what he was doing, I could be transformed. Then I found out something super amazing. I could be forgiven. God promises that he will forgive me for everything that I have done. I ate for that forgiveness. I knew that was the only way that my wife and I would ever have a chance at reconciling was that forgiveness could be part of it. And then, then I learned the one They made me so happy I couldn't even stand myself. I could be made brand new. Shiny, even. Maybe with, like, glitter, right? Brand new. Well, now I've got hope. But the next thing I needed to do is I needed to become honest with myself. You see, I was in denial. Which means I was lying to myself and everyone else about everything. So, in order to become honest, I had to go into Scripture. And Scripture says this Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I was enslaved by my addiction. I was enslaved by the compulsions I experienced to drink. I desperately needed to be set free. So, I had to get away from who I used to be. In my denial, I would say wonderful things like this. Hey, I'm not hurting anybody but myself. Wrong. I was hurting everybody but me. Anybody who loved me or cared about me was being hurt as they watched me destroy myself. And then, you know, the standard bearer for me in my addiction was this yeah, I can quit anytime I want. Yeah, right. Yeah, huh? I couldn't quit. Because if I could've quit, I would've quit years ago. When I first started noticing that everyone in my family was being hurt by me. Well, now I've got hope that I can get better. I'm being honest with myself, meaning I need to get better. And then I move over to a place that my pride did not want me to go. I needed to ask for help. See, I was that guy. I'm carrying the big super heavy box, right? And my buddy over here goes, man, that looks pretty heavy. Can I help you with that? Be like, nope, i got it. Because I'm blowing a hernia out, right? That was me, my pride. I didn't need anybody's help. Well, it turns out I need everybody's help. That's why I'm passing the coin around here this morning. Jesus says in Hebrews chapter 10, and then let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Don't forsake our gathering together. It's in our our isolation, in our weakness. That's where the devil can walk right through it. But when we're together, the triple-braided cord allows us to overcome things that we couldn't overcome by ourselves. Which brings us to our last H, which is we've got to hone our skills. Romans 12:2 says, "Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing, and perfect. And in the Old Testament, I think it sums it up even better. The Old Testament verse says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Right? See, I had these tools that I'd learned. Inventory. Meeting makers make it. All of these different things that I had no clue how to do when I got into recovery but I needed a safe place where I could practice them and learn them for real so that I could put them into use in my life. I liken it to a guitar. I can buy a beautiful guitar with a beautiful case and I could set it in the corner of my living room and never touch it. And if someone happened to ask me, hey, uh, do you play guitar? I could say, well, you know, I have one. Could I play that guitar? No. In my recovery, I liken that to being the guy that says, well, I probably need to get some help. No. I got this. Now, what if I were to pick up that guitar a couple times a year, right? Would I get better? No, probably not. Because I wouldn't have any calluses. so when I would pick up the guitar... And try to play, it would hurt. So I probably would get frustrated pretty quick. I, I wouldn't have learned anything. I wouldn't remember anything from the last time, right? So in my recovery, what would that look like? It, it would look like I would go to a meeting when things got really bad, right? And then I would relapse for six months. And then when it got really bad again, I would go back to one meeting, right? I, I know what that is. I live that. I got that t-shirt. I don't need no one of those. Well, well, wait a minute. What if I picked up that guitar once a week, right? I'm no longer a Christmas and Easter. I would probably make some progress, wouldn't I? I'd, I'd remember the chords, and you know, I'd probably get pretty good at it. I'd probably learn a couple of songs. I could probably have fun with it. In fact, if I kept it up for long enough, I could probably hang out with the worship team, right? Come play a little acoustic guitar back here, you know? But the rest of the week, I'd be stuck with my stinking thinking in my recovery, wouldn't I? All about Jesus on Sunday. The rest of the week, His name doesn't pass my lips. What if I picked that guitar up every day? I would get good quick, wouldn't I? I, My muscle memory would come. I could probably play without even looking at the neck. And after a while, I I think I'd start to get some real joy out of that instrument. Because I was successful at it, and I was good at it. And, heck, I could even bring joy to other people when I played. Because they'd be like, wow, that's amazing, man. You're doing good stuff. Well, in my recovery, it's the same thing. Now I'm working at it. I'm serving in the ministry. I'm taking on sponsees, other guys that want to have what I have. And I'll tell you this, there is nothing greater in this world than to be with a man for a while and watch the lights come on for him and for him to accept Jesus and to watch his life change. The same thing for us in our faith. We can't just be Sunday Christians. But I can hear it. But I'm not a drug addict. I'm not an alcoholic. Why well, offer this? Everybody struggles with something this wicked world has hurt us all somehow. There's only one solution. And that is the embrace of our amazing Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you ache? Do you ache to have someone in your life who loves you again? Are you Desperate to be forgiven the things that you have done? Are you in need of healing from the pain? Then come. Come to Jesus. And I mean that literally. Pastor Mike's right down here. Our prayer partners are around here. Heck, you're sitting next to someone who knows Jesus and they would be happy to pray with you to make a declaration of faith right now. Don't put it off. Those of you who are joining us online, you don't have an excuse either. Because we've got a little comment card you can go to on the website to fill it out. If you made that decision today, then I'd ask that that you would pray with me, or or come up and, and visit with Mike. Let's bow our heads, dear Heavenly Father. We come to you broken, Lord. We have not done this the way that you have laid this out for us to do, Father. We are sinners and we are in need of a Savior and Lord you are that Savior you went to the cross for us so that we could be forgiven and Lord on the third day you were raised and you gave me a chance at this new life father right now i ask will you please come and live in my heart be a part of my life to guide me to shape me. my life is now yours jesus and it's in that precious precious name that we pray
0: jesus
1: amen